0: Well, good morning. My name is Lane DeVries. I'm a member of the Eureka Presbyterian Church have been for the last ten years, and um, I'm also a past elder of that church. Uh, when Karen Rudin uh, decided to leave to Santa Rosa, uh, Liz Smith actually uh, asked me if I could if she could put me on the, the calendar you know, to preach at this church Great. Yeah. and I said. Well, wait a minute i'm a flower farmer i'm not a theologian but then again does it take to be until theologian to spread the good news of jesus christ heavens not look at the disciples they were just fishermen but extremely effective at spreading the message well let me start out by saying a few words about my background. My fa- family has been in, uh, in flower farming for four generations, all the way back in Holland. And I came to this great country in 1983. It was $160 in my pocket. I started working at Sun Valley, first as a lily grower, then as an operations manager and general manager, and finally bought the company together with two Dutch partners in 1991. My wife Catherine and I have been married for 30 years this coming December. We adopted two children, Tony and Sarah, and they now are 21 and 19 years old. I grew up in the Dutch Reformed family in Holland. The Presbyterian Church and the Dutch Reformed Church actually both traced their roots all the way back to John Calvin in Switzerland. Growing up, I left the faith for a while but returned about 10 years ago. And a few years ago, I shared my faith journey at the Eureka congregation. And apparently, I must have inspired a few folks, and it may be one of the reasons why I'm standing here today. Now, what day is today? Do we know what day is today, besides it's Sunday? Mother's Day. Mother's Day, exactly. Well, now, let me tell you a few things about Mother's Day. In the flower business, Mother's Day is the biggest day of the year. And the three weeks leading up to Mother's Day, and there's a few folks in the group here from San Valley, they can attest to this. These three weeks are grueling. Very long days. A typical day starts at 5 o'clock in the morning and runs till about 8 o'clock at night. A few hours of sleep in between and then we go at it again. So when Milt asked me uh, about three weeks ago, and he told me the May 10th is your day to preach, I thought by myself, I must be absolutely nuts <laughs> to be even considering coming out here the day after it just quieted down 48 hours ago. And I paused for a while and I thought by myself, all right. We'll we'll do it. No problem. So here we are today. Well, Earlier this week, I'm driving home at 8.15 at night. And suddenly broke out in a cold sweat. That's right. This coming Sunday, I have to do the sermon. What am I going to do? And my first inclination was anxiety. And then this feeling came over me. Step back. Let the Holy Spirit lead the way. So I'm driving in my car. I turned on the radio. And I flipped some channels. And lo and behold, at 8.15 at night, Monday night, I turn on one of the Christian stations. And here comes on Sister Ann Shields. And she's doing a commentary. And guess what she's doing the commentary on? Acts 10, 44-48, Psalm 98, the things we're talking about today. It proves that putting your trust in the Lord always pays off. Now the opening hymn this morning, Come O Spirit, Dwell on Mars, is typically used on Pentecost Sunday, which is only two weeks away. But today, but based on today's scripture reading of Acts 10, 44 to 48, which we'll be going into in a minute, the event that transpired that day is very similar. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down upon the disciples. But the event we're talking about today, the same thing happened. But this time, it came down upon the Gentiles. And here we're reading um, Acts 10, 44 to 48. So if you want to follow reading in the Bible, feel free to do so. I don't know what pages it is, but it's Acts 10, to 48. While Peter was speaking, while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers, these are the Jews, who had come with Peter, were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. For Christian believers, the book of Acts is arguably one of the most significant books in the Bible. Written by Dr. Luke, it is the best manifestation of the birth of the Christian Church. Today's reading is the essence of why we're here this morning now there are two things i'd like to highlight this morning first the presence of the holy spirit and then number two the fact that even the gentiles received this incredible gift number one the holy spirit is mentioned in the book of acts 41 times more than any other book in the bible more often than any of the Gospels or the Epistles. In the Old Testament, there is one passage in Psalm 51, where David prays, Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Aside from this passage, there is no mention of the Holy Spirit in the entire Old Testament. Now, there are references to the holy place, holy garment, the holy temple, holy city, the holy mountain. It describes the burning bush of the column of fire leading the Israelites through the wilderness at night in their exodus from Egypt, but no mention of the Holy Spirit. Then in the New Testament, in Matthew's Gospel, Mary is found with a child of the Holy Spirit. There are several references to the Holy Spirit in all four Gospels, but the, the Acts of the Apostles, the Holy Spirit takes front stage. The Holy Spirit is well and alive today. It has the power to dwell in people, in people's hearts, and do magnificent, magnificent, magnificent things. Augustine said, O Holy Spirit, descend plentifully into my heart. Enlighten the dark corners of this neglected dwelling, and scatter here thy cheerful beams. Then the second thing I would like to highlight is the fact that even the Gentiles are receiving this beautiful gift. And I'm going to repeat First 45 one more time. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Even the Gentiles. Folks, that means you and me, as we are all sitting here today. If it wasn't for the turn of events in Acts 10, the Christian church could not have grown beyond just the Jewish believers and we would not be sitting here this morning now prior to this happening and this took place somewhere around 40 AD God had been the God of Israel the God of the Jews God's only begotten son Jesus was called the king of the Jews God's divine election of Israel started 2,000 years earlier with Abraham. God made a covenant with Abraham and promised, I will make you a great nation, and I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of your enemies. Folks, this was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the 12 sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. The Israelites indeed multiplied at an escalating rate during the 400 years in Egypt. It was God that ordered Moses to lead his fellow Israelites out of Egypt from the heavy hand of Pharaoh, the God that brought down the plagues on Pharaoh, God that struck the night of the Passover and killed all the Egyptian firstborn sons. It was God that led the Israelites on a six-day march through the Sinai Peninsula wilderness day and night. It was God that opened the waters of the Red Sea and allowed nearly two million of his people to cross to the other side, the land of Medina and subsequently destroyed the entire Egypt army that was chasing them. It was God that provided manna to the Israelites and kept them fat for 40 years. God was there when the Israelites reoccupied Judea and all the land of Israel that he had promised to them. God was there in Jericho as the Israelites circled the city and the wall crumbled. It was God that blessed David, God that provided Solomon with infinite wisdom and brought prosperity to Israel. God was there during the exile to Babylon and the return to the land of Israel. When the Jews came back and rebuilt the temple, God was there. The prophets of the Old Testament prophesied the coming of the Messiah, but it was the Messiah of the Jews. Jesus preached to the Jews. His disciples were Jews. Mary Magdalene was a Jewish woman. Saul was a Jewish Pharisee and became a believer in Jesus Christ after his conversion and changed his name to Paul. But he was still a Jew. The early believers described in Acts were Jews. Despite the Pharisees and religious leaders' disapproval, the early church grew exponentially among the Jewish people, the people of God. Now in Acts 10 and Acts 11, Luke twice describes a vision where Peter falls into a trance and saw the heaven open up, and down came a sheet with animals that were unclean under Jewish law spelled out in Leviticus 11 A voice said to Peter Kill and eat And Peter said but, but, but by no means lord I have never eaten anything that is common or or unclean And the voice came down to him again What God has made clean do not call common This happened 3 times and then the thing was taken up to heaven. Why is this significant? Because it is the prelude that sets the stage for the Holy Spirit to come unto the Gentiles in the next part of Acts ten. The significance is even the Gentiles. So, in other words, the God of the Jews is no longer only the God of the Jews. Ladies and gentlemen, this is amazing. Think of the joy that that must have created. As I said earlier, I've been in the flower business my whole life. It's not an easy business. There's competition from South America, rising costs, big supermarket customers who are just hammering us down on price. price that we try to get for our flowers but despite all this it's a great business it's a great business because every day I'm reminded of what we produce is not just flowers it's joy and if you look at these flowers and by the way I brought some flowers for every mother in the crowd today so when you go home please take some but what happens if but what happens if I give some flowers to someone? Look at that. We have a smile <laughs> and we have joy. Every time you somebody receives flowers, there's a smile and there's joy. Have you ever seen somebody who receives flowers and is not happy? I haven't. Oh, well, think of this joy that overcame the crowd when the Holy Spirit. Came to dwell among them. It is the same joy that David articulates in Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. With his right hand and his holy arm, he has won for himself the victory. The Lord has made known his victory, his righteousness has openly shown the sight of, the, of all the nations. He remembers his mercy and faithfulness to the house of Israel. And all the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Shout with joy to the Lord, all your lands. Lift up your voice, rejoice and sing. So how does this work? How can the God of the Jews now also be the God of the Gentiles, our God? Well, as a flower farmer, we plant bulbs, and we plant seeds, and we grow those into flowers. That's our basic business, but we also grow flowers from shrubs, and sometimes those shrubs need to be grafted, and what does that mean? We use the rootstock of a plant that has some very strong growing characteristics, but may not be the prettiest. We take that rootstock and we graft a plant on there that has nicer flowers or nicer colors, but on itself would not grow very well. The same thing goes, we, we, we grow some flowers in, in eastern Canada where it's very, very cold, and we have rose hips that we grow here in, in, in Villa Creek uh, where it doesn't get too cold in the winter. And so we were gonna take some of those rose hips to our farm in Canada. Well, the, the farmer out there tells us, you can't grow these roses here because in the wintertime it gets minus 20 here and those roses will freeze you need to graft them on a rootstock that can actually withstand these cold temperatures so that's the whole concept of grafting now Paul in his letter to the Romans uses the beautiful analogy of the olive tree the Gentiles us We are the branch of the wild olive tree that is grafted on the cultivated olive tree that depicts the Jewish people, the people of God. So the grafted branch draws its water and nutrients through the roots, through the trunk of the cultivated tree and gets its strength from the tree, the tree of God. Then in the first letter, the John first, first letter of John, he underscores in chapter five everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Everyone who believes. And everyone who loves the Father, whoever has born, has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, and we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, and we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the Gentiles started a firestorm of evangelization across the nations, receiving the message. Of Jesus Christ. The disciples spread across much of the Eastern Mediterranean, Paul and Barnabas into Asia Minor, nowadays Turkey, and then into Greece. Paul in particular reached out to the non-Jews and effectively spread the good news of Jesus Christ. The Christian population has been growing ever since. Just in the last hundred years, the number of Christians has quadrupled and today it's estimated that there are 2.2 billion Christian believers across the world. In conclusion, God was the God of the Israelites for 2,000 years. It all changed when the Holy Spirit came upon the non-believers and has blessed all of us who believe as well those that have accepted the gift the gift of the holy spirit the gift of accepting jesus christ as our lord and savior but here is the crux of the matter only those who believe will receive the gift and why would one not want to receive a gift it's like walking down the street and a total stranger hands you a check for a million dollars with your name on it This check can be redeemed as long as you repent your sins, accept accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and believe. I can't imagine too many folks who would turn around and ignore that gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of salvation, the gift of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is available to all those that believe. Amen.